to the apocalypse okay. this one okay this is the one right this is the one All right. this is the one so mike should we do our usual intro <laughs> yeah okay how definitely we have to i'll how take it away the third person no let's just I'll, we'll just do our usual intro okay what's the usual intro Welcome to your handbook for the apocalypse. Check it out. Break it down. Here we are. I'm Mystic Mark. Original Mugwai Zone. And I'm here with Michael Wan. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Oh, Mr. Mystic Mark. You got me with that one. That's why I want to know if you listen to the show before, Sarah, because that is not our original intro. Welcome to the I was, show. I want to like, brah, brah, or something like that. I mean, it, it, it's, fun, it's, funny because, it's funny because it's so, it's so, um, it feels so out of character for me, like that, like flavor. And so it's, it's like, that is the intro is the, is, I don't know, I think it's ironically the best. Right on. Well, that's the if most that's not energy the intro all the time. It, sh- it might have to be. I think that's the most <laughs> energy I've ever mustered up for an intro for this show. So <clears throat> we're off to Do a good start. I'm honored. Mike. I'm sorry. You were about to say something. Do we want to what? Do you, you said this is the most amount of energy you mustered up for this show. For an intro. For an intro, um, do you do that much? Do you muster up that energy for intros for other shows? Absolutely. Like, do other shows actually they start like that, like yeah. with, with with that or similar type of energy. Are you serious? Well, the the latest live stream I did, I did a, a pro wrestling impression. That's what I I was going to say. It felt it felt like very UFC. <laughs> no, no, I don't do it every time, but yeah, yeah, no, occasionally. Occasionally, but you know, here we are with a guest. So I thought this is a, a special occasion. You're our third guest to ever grace the Your Handbook for the Apocalypse show, uh, not counting some regular co-hosts that chime in here and there. Um, Sarah, welcome. Hey, thanks so much. This is so fun. <laughs> it's so far, just so fun. So far, so fun. So far, so, so fun. So far, so fun. So can, can I give a little bit of context? I was waiting for you to take it away. Mike, take it away. All right, all right. So we're going to begin like this. And I think we talked about this on, on the previous show, Mark, where there was a, a, a piece of feedback from the listening audience, which was, which was kind of like, not too happy with the with the with the natural lackadaisical approach to our to the podcast. Um, you know, 
implying that it should maybe be a little bit more polished, sophisticated. And, and the joke at the end of it was that what will be next, Mike, you will call from the bathroom. And you and I talked about that. I thought it was kind of funny. And, and so Sarah, Sarah, Canadian Sarah is a good friend of mine. And I told her this story because I wanted to have her on the show for a while. And I was kind of like preparing, preparing her for like the, the, the sort of um, flavor of what's going on. So I shared the show and she's like, well, wait, I don't understand why that's a big deal. I'm like, what do you mean that's a big deal? She's like, well, 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 people are on the toilet all the time when they're on the phone. Like, that's like not a big deal. That's like normal. And I was like, I don't think that's normal at all. Like maybe in Canada, but here in the United States, like it's, that's just not how things <laughs> are done. And she's like, what are you talking about? So we kind of go back and forth and like, she's like giving me whatever points of reference she has. And I'm like, you're nuts. And then she's like, there's only one way to solve this. And she said, we're going to use mathematics and I'm going to create a poll and put it on Instagram. Mm. And so what I would like to do right now, so this is the setup is like, Sarah, I want you to tell us like, because I don't really know the results of the poll and I don't know if you have them in front of you, but I, well, I, I just like, pulled them up while you're saying this. I wish I had up. taken, I wish I had taken uh, maybe more fine notes. I didn't know that we were going to be chatting about this specifically. However, um, but we have to talk about my audience because that also skews the results. Okay. It doesn't skew, but it just gives well, you, you know. Well, tell tell me and our audience a little bit about <laughs> you and your audience. Okay. For, well, I don't have an audience. That's hilarious <laughs> that I just said that. Um, <laughs> me and my friends, uh, I live in, well, I don't live in actually, I'm from southwestern Ontario. Well, we've recently moved, so we're living closer to Lake Huron now. I don't know if that would, if you could kind of place yourself on the map there. Mm. I'm originally a southwestern Ontario gal. Mike always says that I'm from Canada, and I am, but I don't think, like, as a Canadian, we usually go a little more detailed. But it's kind of funny that I'm just Sarah from Canada, so, I mean, here I am. So the reason you're Sarah from Canada is because there's a Sarah from New Orleans in my contacts list. Mm. And like, I, and when I think about it, I'm like, it probably would have been like more, more efficient to just put like people's last names, but <laughs> I think geographically. Mm. And so it's like, okay, so I just mean, I just meant in terms of like, I'm in Ontario. I have like, I'm in a town. I like how you just kind of went broad. <laughs> oh yeah like you know? the, the broader the brush the better the broader the brush the better for me because sometimes. sometimes when we talk about the different provinces and you're talking about saskatchewan and i'm just kind of like Mikey, michael's going on and on about saskatchewan and i was like i'm nowhere near there but it's funny for me just i like saskatchewan it sounds like susquehanna so i've got a sweet spot for it mm. fair enough Anyway, Mark, sorry. Um, I do yoni steaming out of my home. So my audience is purely women and moms for the most part. So you're going to get the stats from the women and moms in southwestern Ontario. And if we're talking on the phone while in the shitter and we mostly are. Right. Hmm. I wonder what it is about. I don't want. So. First of all, I don't. I haven't been polled yet, so I oh, would. Funny enough, only three. <laughs> I have, you know, male followers, so to say. 
who have stuck around. It seems like it seems like you're telling us that the demographics are mostly female, and it's a resounding yes. Phones on in the bathroom. Yes, and I only had three male voters. Michael was one of them, so really (laughs) just two, and they were both. uh, Well, they were all no. See, if I'm on the phone, okay. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say one guy fessed up to it because my last slide after I kind of shared the final results, I said, uh, everyone, it was 36%, absolutely not. Um, and I said, they're either Virgos or liars. Ah. And then one, the, uh, the, one of the three men who voted said, my wife is a Virgo, you, you're correct. And she would, I, she's the only person I'd call and if she knew I was in the bathroom. So, I mean, I called that one. This is the type of like of intuition which they have in Canada. Like when it comes to people's bathrooms habits, like they call it. They are always unmatched. Unmatched. We start with the potty humor very young. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I. uh... So, so Mark, were you going to respond? Were you going to add to the poll? Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, bathroom break is an excuse for me to end the phone call. So I'd I'd never take the phone into the bathroom. I mean, sacred time for you. Unless unless the person I'm talking to is someone who's very long winded and I'm hitting I'm getting them at the beginning of a sentence long enough where I know I can leave the phone muted so they can't hear that I'm in the bathroom. That's that's my worry. I don't want people to know I'm in the bathroom. You know, if I could pull it <laughs> off secretly. This? this is what that introduction did. When have we talked about the bathroom humor before? I mean, I guess we mentioned it like before, but like well, this because is... of the introduction, we've just like gone straight down to like like base material. Well, so, this is your um, handbook for the apocalypse, you Mike. You got to be able response to response that I got. I, I feel like right, I have to yes. share this one. She'll remain anonymous if she ever listens to this. Well, then you probably just gained a new listener, Mark, because she would dig it. She voted and then decided to message with the vote. So Mm. I find that kind of interaction perfect. She said, actually, strictly number two, because I can mute when the beat drops. But with a P, it's loud, it's constant, and you can't hide it. I thought that was my favorite response. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's it's going to the show notes, that quote. (laughs) Well, this is what happens when Mike leads the direction of the show. Normally I'm (laughs) steering Mike and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm meeting you for the first time, Sarah. So I'm sort of falling back on how Mike's going to host this one. But I would say, I would say our audience is going to be really grateful that we started this way because for once our show doesn't sound like it's being recorded from a porta potty. So, or a tin can. Sometimes yeah. it's a little tinny. Right. So, there's a porta potty. There's a porta potty in the parking area here at Gnome, Gnome Countryside. And, like, I don't know if I'm making a statement or not, but I noticed myself. Like I always pee right in front of it, like before I get into the truck, like, and it's like, there's a road right there. And I want everyone to see, like, I'm not going to step in this porta potty. I'd rather just piss right in front of it. And I don't care who drives by. So I just want to throw that one in. Hmm. Really learning a lot about Michael Wan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like this is, this is as intimate as we've gotten on the, the, your handbook for the apocalypse show so far but you know you got to be able to wipe your ass in an apocalypse so 
harder well, yeah. when everyone's hoarding the toilet paper. Or find a new way to do it. Or find a new way. All right. All right. Can I tell – I went to the petroglyphs today. Can I tell you about that story? Please do. Please do. All right. So I've been talking about the petroglyphs for quite a bit of time. I'd say at least eight or nine years. But I've never actually been there. And the reason I haven't been there is because they're difficult to get to. They're in the middle of the river and like, you know, you either got to like, you're going to paddle out there somehow and then you got to get your boat up there and like, you're not really big and like the river conditions, they can change and all sorts of stuff. Um, but I've always wanted to go out there. I just haven't really had like an opportunity uh, or every time the opportunities that have presented themselves, I've never been able to, to take them up. So... One of the neat things, one of the things which is which is really cool about the petroglyphs and makes them um, particularly interesting uh, and unique is the fact that they have um, they have celestial alignments. So they're markers for when the sun rises uh, and sets on the equinoxes, and then when where the sun rises on the winter solstice and sets on the summer solstice, which is strange, but that's how it is. Um, and so it was the, uh, yesterday was the winter solstice. Yesterday was the winter solstice and there's plans to go, there's plans to go that afternoon, but it was called off because the conditions were so hazardous because it was windy out. Did and you you're say in yesterday was the winter solstice? Or the this thank you the autumnal uh, equinox. Well, if we're going to talk about time, I think that was a slip of sorts. But go on. <laughs> noted, noted, definitely noted. Um, so we did not go out yesterday afternoon, but we're going to see the sunrise today. It's like a day off, and so it's not going to be that much of a mo- of a um, of a of a shift. And I don't know if you guys experienced this uh, in in Canada and in um, Connecticut <laughs> now you're absolutely right when I say the word Canada like I picture my mind where you live and I'm thinking it just applies there but you're right it applies to a very large geographical area um, so yeah like the so, fourth largest in the world I think <laughs> lucky Mark he gets his city <laughs> he, oh. gets, he, gets, his, he yeah. gets the city the city of Connecticut <laughs> I rule over a nation. <laughs> so, so the weather completely changed on the equinox. It went from it's been very uh, comfortably um, uh, warm during the day and comfortably cool at night for you know all you know since late August through September, and then. I don't ever remember, you know, maybe it's just that it's this one day, but on the day of the equinox, like suddenly the, the, the weather changed completely. The winds blew in, the temperature dropped. That's, you know, the, the problem or the problem the night before why we couldn't go out there because of the wind. And the next morning, the wind wasn't as bad, but it was really frigging cold. So we get out, that's this morning and we get up and we go out, um, we go out to the petroglyphs and, we have four people in the canoe, which is, you know, not, it's at full capacity. It's at full capacity. And we get out there. And so there are two parts, two parts of the story. The first part is seeing the actual petroglyphs and seeing the sunrise. 
and I saw it and, um, it was just like the picture really. <laughs> it wasn't that I was looking for a portal and that did not happen. You're disappointed. But it was, well, I don't know what I was looking for, but maybe I did see a portal. I'm not certain. So the, 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 as Sarah said, there may have been like a, a time, a time slip shift comment a little bit earlier. Um, but so, so we see the petroglyphs and we, uh, we go to two different rocks. Uh, that's what they are. These enormous boulders in the middle of the Susquehanna river, uh, which is about a mile wide. It's about a mile wide in this particular place. So you gotta, um, we paddled down the, the Conestoga and then into the river and onto the petroglyphs. And so we stayed there for a while and it was pretty cold, but it was, um, there about, there were five of us and there, someone came in a kayak and, when we decided to leave, when we decided to leave, the the winds suddenly picked up and we're stuck out in the middle of the, the river. Because I was saying before, like we were doing the odds and we thought that there was like a, we're joking, like there was a 40% chance of, of capsizing. And that was the kind of the, 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 the backstory on the paddle out. And we were joking that obviously that, you know, that did not happen because the winds were fine when we were there, when we paddled out, when we were on the, on the stones, on the rocks. But then when we paddled, when we left, the, the winds picked up immensely, so much so that the, the waves are, are crashing into the um, inside of the canoe. So this is a mile-wide river, and we're like getting nowhere. And we were at, we were like face to face with some sort of experience. Uh, I don't know if it was life or death. I mean, it could have been, but it was definitely brought that into, uh, it brought it into the play. So that's how the day began for me today. I heard that Libra season is all about melodrama. <laughs> and I just think that, were you really risking your life? Yes. Or am I just having a moment of you? It's a huge river. Mellow drama. What do you think, Mark? You've seen the river. Yeah, I would say, to you know, I, I haven't seen that exact spot on the river, but judging by how wide the river is, I imagine there are some deep channels that you wouldn't want to capsize in and... There's definitely plenty of rocks that could, you know, cause it's some trouble. It's the current that kills. Yeah. It's the current that kills. It's a deadly river. Right. The deadliest river in central Pennsylvania. Well, it's the well, largest what do, what river. What do I know? So I was, so my comment in the text message was right. Like sign of life needed. <laughs> yeah. We were wondering what's we going were, on. We thought maybe you really had died. I texted. I said, "No, we'll, we'll get. We'll, we'll hear from him." Sure enough, I so, was ready to just move on. So, I feel like you glazed over a lot there, Mike. But so, so dig in. So I did. I did so that you could dig in. I was. Okay. It was. That, that's a setup. Well, I first. I I'm kind of confused where the portal comes into to the story because you mentioned not or maybe seeing a portal. So for people who maybe haven't seen your YouTube videos on this stuff, the Susquehanna petroglyphs are on rocks that can only be seen from the river. So describe the the where the rocks were. What was the 
water level low enough to where you can stand or did you have to shore like just sort of float next to the rock to see them uh well well the the big indian and little indian rock are the names of the the boulders in the river and they're probably they're big enough where maybe like 15 people could comfortably stand on them on the rocks themselves correct okay so like so like if you can imagine that many people like kind of comfortably standing like maybe bigger than than a so you, average size you home get room. off the canoe and step onto big indian rock and the carvings Correct. are underneath your feet or like do you have to kind of like look over the side of the the you know face of the rock to see them like it's, it's all over the rock it's all over the oh. face of the rock you're walking on it okay like i'm surprised and, you're actually allowed to walk on them I've only seen um, in my life, and we were not allowed to like actually go on top of them at all. Well, it's kind so, of like an so underground. Let me give a little bit of background. So yeah. this, might be a Canadian this, thing. Though. This is um, this is a, uh, the largest concentration of petroglyphs east of the Mississippi River. It's virtually ignored by archaeologists, and and you just like nailed what. I'm referring to by saying virtually ignored, like it's on the, the national, it's on the national, uh, register of historic places. Like it's, it's official on that level, but, uh, you're absolutely right. Like you, you do whatever you want. And what's, what's interesting is you could see, uh, graffiti, if you will, carved into the rocks with years, like in the late 1880s, like next to Thunderbirds and next to, to um, bison, bison prints, and so forth. Um, so, like, that's kind of a clue. It's like you know, if this is something of interest, if it, and why would it be of interest? Because it's the highest concentration is the Mississippi. Like, what else are you going to be talking about? The second highest, and and so, like, you know, that there should be something about it at the very least. Like, don't step on it or 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 something along those lines. But but it's ignored. Like, it's 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 like there's nothing to see here, folks. And this is at the location of the 40th parallel of the Susquehanna River, which we talk about so much. And from like the most basic history level in which, you know, we're told through through the history books is this was the location, this this area, and specifically the 40th parallel at the Susquehanna, which was where like the most sacred of areas, uh, the lower Susquehanna River of, of the Northeast, of the Northeast. It was like the most sacred land, and this was the sweet spot. This is where the Susquehannocks live. All this sort of, um, uh, so we have that as a background backdrop. And then we also have the Tlachiel, um piece that comes into it. And he's like, hey, hey look, there's a, there's, a, there's a petroglyph of Humak, who was the last king of Tula back in um, Mesoamerica. And yeah, like there's a connection from here to there. Like there's all of these like indications. This is where all the Rosicrucians are. This is where all that stuff is. And we've got these, these, um, uh, the big Indian and little Indian rock, but, but there's actually, there, there are hundreds of boulders in this particular part of the river, but only like, I think it's eight are known to have rock carvings on them. Now, the way they present in the river as it relates to the water level is highly um, different than what it, what it would have been when the, the, the rock carvings were made. Um, this is because um, uh, 
of all the dams. So you got a dam right in front of it and you got a dam like a couple miles downstream. And so that has drastically changed the way that, um, the water meets the meets what, what it looks like now. And on little, little Indian rock, for example, um, there was, and you know, this from, we know this from the pictures before of when, um, before the dams were, uh, put in, to the Susquehanna River, that underneath, that there was an underlayer of um, on Little Indian Rock, and you were eight, you could crawl into it, and then there was a chamber in there, and um, it was a place of for ceremony. It was like a sacred place, and so like looking at all of that data. I'm like, okay, like, you know, how would you synthesize? Like, what could this be pointing to? Like, what could be happening here? Why would this be so interesting? And on these rocks, and particularly these ones, there are these markers. And so the markers for what we saw today of the, um, the, uh, of the um, autumnal equinox are two serpents, probably about three feet long, parallel, and they, they kind of look wavy. Um, if you know what the, this, the, the glyph for Aquarius looks like, it kind of looks like that. Um, and it lines up with where the sun comes over the, the hills. You can't see like the flat horizon. It's, um, the river is, um, surrounded by hills or the foothills of the, of the, of the Appalachians. And so when the sun disc rises above the, uh, the mountain line, you know, you could see like, yeah, if you stand behind the the, the snakes, like you're in alignment. Like, yeah, that's definitely in alignment. And you're like, okay, you know, certainly that will mark the passage of time. But I'm also thinking if there's going to be a time and a place where a portal, like a, like a Norway spiral sort of thing happens, I'm like, all right, like this, this would be like on my short list of possibilities. And so that's what I meant. I'm looking for a portal. Right. The t- that timeless moment when the right, uh, you know, parameters all sort of fit together. Do you think, though, that, like, these spots still hold that energy for these kinds of things? Because I just always think, like, well, that would have worked, you know, in its time. We've got a bajillion open stargates now that are just, like, you know, downtown. I mean, not to take magic away from it, but I just mean like the water's the portal. First of all, so I'm going to so disagree with what you're saying a little bit. So this is how this is different than that. Or like the, just like something as general as like water's a portal is like uh, the, the solstice and the equinoxes are observable, knowable, um, uh, very unique and extreme um, markers on the movement of the sun. Like we can say like, this is when it's like the most amount of daylight in a particular time in a solar cycle, the least amount of daylight and actually equal. Like, you know, those are different than the, the, those are like key markers. You could think about, about like mathematically how it shows itself, like hundred percent, 50% and um, zero half full and nothing. Um, so I'm going to say those are real observable things. And so there, it's something is lined up 
to that particular time. And so like there, there's a certain element of how this is meant to interact not only with the natural world, but the natural world at a very like unique time as defined by the natural world itself. If anyone's like paying attention. And so I think that in itself like makes it special, but to your, to your original question, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, um, with the right at, with the correct application of mental, um, uh, capability, if you will, like any of it, anything could be done with it. You don't need any tool to do it. It could all be done with your mind. I know, I, I, like, I know what you're saying. I just always think back to like Egypt and other sites like that, where it's like, yeah, the great pyramid's not doing what the great pyramid used to do because kind of like what you're saying with time, we're not in that time right now. So perhaps it's just like equinoxes and solstice is still important, but maybe not at the same sacred sites like of old. That's all that I was saying, or that's what I meant. So what would gotcha. the, you're saying down the like city downtown would be a sacred place nowadays? That would be where the portal would be because of the architecture and how things are built and the energy that humans are putting into it compared to maybe this place that relatively very few people know about i wasn't gonna say that but i like that huh. well yeah because I, that makes sense to me too my, right? well my and instinct it, is is that like you know a place like this is not only special because of you know how it's been molded by human hands and and the sort of time capsule but there was clearly an energy there that they were either harnessing or trying to emboss in some way right so we would imagine that the landscape hasn't changed all that much maybe save for three mile island and all that uh so the energy would still be the same whereas a, a place like a city uh which may have been built you know in a number of different places sometimes they're built in places that are formerly sacred sites so yeah that would be true and, and maybe like philadelphia's case there's a lot of uh you know, sacred energy flowing through the streets there. It's been kind of gridded, so to speak, right? Ross Ben talks a lot about that. Mike has gotten into that before uh, on this show. But, yeah, I don't think every city is like that, though. You don't think every city has... Well, a small city would would maybe not qualify, but... <laughs> I was just learning about something last night called uh, geomantic spirals. It's a sort of variation of uh, a ley line. And this guy who wrote a book about it, uh, David Egby, uh, talks about how he used his uh, divining rod, you know, sort of water rod. What, what's another term for, for those? Like a dowsing, dowsing rod. rod. Thank you. Yeah, dowsing rod. He used a dowsing rod to determine that there are these spots where water underground had reached some sort of obstacle and began to spiral, which caused a, a sort of ley line spiral in that area. And he found that a lot of uh, universities just so happened to be built on these um, spirals. So, you know, that's one case. I mean, but That's cool. But Mike, I mean, yeah, maybe every city. I don't know. I've, I've been to some cities that don't seem special. Well, 
problem every snowflake special so like every city's special it's like maybe how special but i would think about it this way at least um if you got a masonic lodge there's something going on okay but to that point see this is what okay i have a little bit of a i don't want to take us too far away from your river trip and the portal that you maybe didn't or didn't find but i will say so the city that i grew up in I'm just thinking of these, this dowsing thing, Mark, that you're talking about. So it's a university town. We have two main universities and colleges on top of that. And it has a, a riddled history of like mafia stuff. Me and my girlfriend's like deep dove into it one day. We also have like um, a science, like like, uh, what am I trying to say? Well, I'll just say where it is. It's the Perimeter Institute. So like Stephen Hawking would go there, for example. So we were always joking that we would have like a mini CERN, like, you know, downtown, uptown kind of thing. So we were talking about one day how interesting it was that we, we could look at where we're from, from so many different angles. And to some people, they could be like, oh, this is a brewery town. Or some people would be like, oh, no, this is university city. Or some people would be like, no, this is like the center for the Perimeter Institute. And, like, um, and then also like a huge financial. And it's very like, well, it was small for the longest time. And it's only been like really, really growing. Um I don't know, like maybe since like I was born in 89. So like since the nineties uh, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and bigger. And, you know, like we just moved out of there and it's funny because we're driving down this little, like we moved to this little County now and we're driving around and <laughs> we're like, and we're like literally in the middle of nowhere and there's a Masonic lodge. And I'm kind of like, you know, this is so normal when you're in the city and you're seeing a Masonic lodge and like everyone knows where they are and that kind of thing. But there's something extra, extra, I don't know what the extra is, but it is just a bit extra when you are literally in the middle of nowhere and there's still a Masonic lodge that isn't like dilapidated. And that's all I have to say about that. So, because I'm thinking about, sorry, back to the dowsing thing. I thought you said that's all I'm going to say about that. Sorry, sorry. You can't say that and then say more. <laughs> well, I thought I didn't wrap it up very nicely, but I'm still wrapping it in my mind. So go on if you have something to say. I almost forgot. So, so, but, so that goes to like what you're saying earlier about um, like maybe things losing its power. So I would say that's an example where that makes sense to me. Uh, like if you go and you had like at one point uh, um, an active lodge, whatever that may mean, like whatever's going on there, like whatever the whatever is like, you know, supposedly happening for why the this organization has franchises in every single friggin' municipality in the United States and probably the world. It's like if it's dilapidated and empty and gone, I would think like at least on the lodge level, maybe they did their work and left, or maybe that would be the example you talk about, like, you know, whatever that was was that egregore or whatever you want to think about it was being upheld there, uh, maybe that collapses. Yeah, totally. But, and then also just to Mark's point with like finding the water and like the ley lines and stuff. And if you're going to build like an energy center on top of it, and if that energy center is a city 
and you're putting like the different flavor of what you want to put there. I think it's just interesting thinking about all the things I was just specifically thinking about where I'm from of everything that they've smashed into one spot. But, and and then it also parallels kind of like a lot of the stuff in PA that you and I have spoken of as well. And then, um, well, I mean, probably loads of places, right? So the, so this is what I mean by where it's like, yeah, you're going out and you're going to this beautiful place for the, for the equinox and you're seeing the petroglyphs and stuff but like i still feel like this is an old magic that only a very few people would have the uh know how to like tap into and get something from where even if it's like maybe a darker energy in like the cities and stuff this is where like the energy is now and not just having to do with like the time we're in that's what i was trying to say what do you think mark I was hoping you would respond. I'm not really not really sure. I don't disagree. So it does like the I mean when when you start to go and you look at the cities and and on the energy spots. Like, yeah, of course that that makes sense and you brought up PA. And like, you know, let's go take this let's take this to like maybe something more specific and we'll play around with it because it's a new piece of data on one of our favorite cities which we like to talk about and that's Scranton and what that is is like we you know there's this continuing um, uh, continuing to grow uh, um, file of evidence within history and popular culture pointing to like like little you know, podunk Scranton, Pennsylvania as being like a really, really important center for some reason. And so, uh, and I've always played upon the idea because it's built upon the largest deposit of anthracite on the entire, on all of earth. Um, but to add to that, um, and maybe we could play around with Scranton as an idea of what you're saying, Sarah, um, is the introduction of the idea of the men in black. You know, that, that is a concept and it's an archetype that is, um, instilled in the minds of, of, uh, you know, kind of shadowy conspiracy folks. Um, that idea was birthed from, um, also from Scranton, the guy who is credited for having, uh, of introducing that idea. He's from Scranton. So there's one more piece of this kind of like strange sort of connection to Scranton. Like, so how does that kind of play in the, the energy manipulation or how, what would you think is going on there? Just a lot of Tavistock programming. But why there? <laughs> I don't know. So that's the question, right? Because you're talking about like the, the um, underlying earth energies, well, yeah, like I don't, I don't have a uh, an equal thing to say. Like I have no idea what the sedimentary rock is beneath. You know, so I told. So rock. that's what I was saying. It's the largest deposit of anthracite on the entire planet, on all of Earth. So this, ta- so like we're reverse engineering from the from the Tavistock Institute's propaganda, as you're saying, and you're like, well, why there? Like what's going on there? Like there's, there's really something going on there. And to your point, it's like, we know like that's something we can say very concretely, or at least that's the information they tell us, uh, on like the statistics of the, the, the mineral content in different places on earth, that anthracite, which is a very, very unique and special type of, of, of mineral is 
found beneath that city. So like, isn't that like what we're talking about? Like the, the, whatever that energy would be, whatever that natural earth energy of what, and even if it's, you know, there's certainly indications in all of the, the propaganda, that's a whole lot more than just like generic earth energy. Like this is where like the real, you know, the, the, um, the man in the high castle implies like, you know, this is where interdimensional space travel happens. You know, the, uh, the, this latest thing with like men in black, like whomever, whatever they're supposed to be, they're linked to, to Scranton. And so like, you know, what's that pointing out? What's that suggesting? So you're, you were trying to go inner earth. That's what you were looking for. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. That's what you're saying. So, uh, but I'm, I'm curious I'm to hear what that is. What? I'm curious to. So, like, how would you? How would that play in the inner Earth? Well, I'm I'm just thinking about the petroglyphs now. I'm going back to the petroglyphs. I'm thinking about the all portal right. that you were looking for. All right. Well, what did you have in mind? So, or you were uh, just waiting for it to present itself to you. So I didn't know, like that was just an idea. I'm like, it's going to be a portal. Like, I don't know. Like, like the, the best thing I had in my mind for what a portal is, is the, uh, um, is the Norway spiral. So like, that's the picture they gave me. That's how do you not even know what the Norway spiral is? Like that's, that's one of the most important things. Like everyone should know. Well, what I'm learning tonight. So, so anyway, but back to your point, um, like that's one of the things of, of the, this particular area, which is so, uh, which also points to maybe what you're suggesting. So, um, to the, to the West of the Susquehanna river in the general area, like let's say maybe a hundred miles or so, like all of that is like the hollowed out underground of where like the continuation of government goes. It's where Camp David, the president goes it's where the u.s army war college is it's all in the middle of nowhere and the lore and they're all like you know you know quote unquote known underground bunkers and the lore within like more of the indigenous populations or, or stories talks a lot about the tunnels that are under the river and the tunnels that go throughout this area um like so so you're kind of you're really onto something when you're suggesting like this, like inner earth thing, but, but that's not my hot button. So I'm curious where you're going to go with that and the petroglyphs. Well, it's not really my hot button either, but I've been just thinking about interdimensionals. A lot. <laughs> just, you know, one of my running things. So that's, hey, I, I don't know. totally not my hot button on inner earth. That's ridiculous. But the interdimensionals. Yeah. <laughs> now they yeah, are, you know. So, so regardless, go with where you go with the petroglyphs. Well, you know, it's funny because I saw petro. Well, I saw petroglyphs only once in my life. And it's so funny thinking back to it because uh, like, like I'm trying to think like, what did I think these things were? Like, what was the story I was told about them? Like, like uh, natives did this or something like, I don't know. I'm trying to think because we have pictures of it. Like my sister and I, we, you could do this thing where, you're, you know, you're like, you're coloring over top of them so you can take them home. Like, I think we did it out West. I think it was out West. And it's just interesting to think about like, what did my like subconscious know about this? And my conscious brain just like swallowed down. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know where that came from. You don't know where that came from? 
or like, I've just never thought of petroglyphs since I was maybe nine years old. And here I am thinking about them again. So then what is, what is, how does that tie into portals? Well, I'm just saying, are they like messages from inner hollow earth beings? Because this is where my brain goes. And they put them on, they put them on the stones. And you're looking for the portal. Into inner earth, which I did kind of describe an interesting like a uh, ceremony uh, spot, which was under big Indian rock. Mm-hmm. So if there's going to be a portal. That would be it. Like the, 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 there's, there's so many stories about there being tunnels that go beneath the river. It's not a deep river. It's like nine feet deep in most places. Um, and so, if there's going to be a connection into like, I, I still don't know what you mean by inner earth. Like what does inner earth mean? Like, like, like Lord of the Rings sort of thing. Trogdolites. That's kind of funny. Cause Lord of the Rings has really been on my brain lately. So I maybe, yeah, but no, cause that kind of, let me think for a moment. Like hollow no, earth, like caverns. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like caverns. Like well, was it, was it when Mike talked about the anthracite thing that you started thinking about that? Um, no. Hmm. Are you trying to make a connection? Because then go with it. Well, I felt like, you know, that might have been a point of, uh, like, confusion. Because, you know, when Mike talks about the anthracite, yes, there are mines probably mining that anthracite. But I've never quite thought of it like that. Personally, I always think of it like, okay, so this area, as you're walking on it, emanates a different energy then let's say where I live in New England, where it's a lot of granite, you know, and sort of beachy, particularly where I live. So it might be a different energy emanating from the ground here in comparison to a sort of mountainous town on a river uh, with as much anthracite in the ground as Granton. So, it's sort so, of like so an just energy. To be, just to be just to be clear about this, like, so you can understand, like, and this isn't the only place this is true, but this is a way of understanding, like, uniqueness of places if you have, right. like, what I'm about to say somewhere else. 98, 99% of all anthracite on Earth is under Scranton. There's nowhere else on Earth like this. So whatever this is, like, like th- there's no place like that. Like, I don't know many other places where I can say, like, you know, oh, this is where 99% of all the granite is or something like that. Um, and anthracite has a very, very unique um, po- or quality to it, which, again, like, points to something being very unique. And that's what the, the Tavistock stuff is pointing to as well, is like, or implying what they're saying, like, what this unique thing is is like inter like specifically like this is where you go for interdimensional travel and I, I've always kind of like held that as a like a nebulous idea but now like what you just said Mark about the about the mines because it's very well known for like it's you know the 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 practical aspect of mining anthracite because it's a coal um, uh, a smokeless coal the purest of coals um, but is it because this is like a key crossover hollow earth tunnel? Like this is in the same vicinity. Like this is like this whole area. That's not really separate from everything else, which I'm suggesting 
on the west of the Susquehanna, maybe a couple hundred miles away, but like the big picture, like this is all kind of connected. What's underneath there? And maybe is there something very special in that Scranton location, particularly um, based upon what, what we're seeing associated with that area is um, it's all kind of like underworldy, seedy kind of energy there. Right. Right. Mm. Well, uh, Mark, are you going to say something? I don't want to cut you off. No. Well, I was going to say kind of like, and in, in that doesn't necessarily have to imply that it, like the underworld means like, uh, you know, a connection to the hollow earth. Cause when you said like inner earth, that's what I started thinking of like uh, Agartha or like some, you know, some place underneath Mount Shasta. Right. Uh, but I'm, it could also be possible. I mean, I didn't, how so, big is, I'm not, I'm not saying that those are se- like, I'm, I'm open to all of these ideas. Like, you know, being diff, not being siloed, but maybe like I'm playing with this in the most broadest of strokes. Like how could this all be connected? Because right now, like we've got all of these different, like, well, it's not this or, or looking at it from silo perspective. Um, I want to kind of blend those silos, like all of the different mythologies of like what could be underground and like this idea of like portals and petroglyphs. That's just where this, that's how this conversation has been, um, you know, driven to this conversation or this point of the conversation because we weren't planning on talk about what's going on under the earth, but I'm kind of interested in seeing where this goes. Well, here we are. I was going to say that, I, so since moving to where we've moved to, I've realized that there's mining, uh, close to the lake out here. I did not know that. I mean, why would I know know that? I guess, but it's one of like the main industries for like salt, like salt mines. But while you guys were talking, I was just looking up, uh, petroglyphs in Ontario. So there, there, there is one site for petroglyphs in Ontario and interestingly enough, that's also the biggest mining area. So I'm open personally to there just being like an underground, like, um, like there's tunnels all over the whole globe, you know? There's tunnels all over the whole globe. <laughs> that's just what it comes down to. So it's like, what are they being used for? Is it a front for mining? Maybe it's not anthracite. Is it salt? Is it? gold is it whatever but like there's literally like a tunnel system no matter what whether it's like left over from you know uh prohibition but like yeah so you just have to find the interest the entrance i guess i think second, that second this, this, this topic keeps on coming up around around this area at least, you know, um, it, of, of what's underground and, you know, I, I can't separate, I can't separate any of these, these kind of inquiries from my own, my own story. And I suggest everyone does that. That's like, you know, your point of reference of, of how you understand reality is, you know, your story. And is it, I'm not, I'm not an expert. You'd think I would know more than I do, but I'm not an expert. Are gnomes miners? Like I know dwarves are like they would go and they would mine and they were like experts with stones. Did, did gnomes, were they underground? Uh, were they underground people? 
Like, I mean, are you directing that at Mark or, or at me? At the entire, at anyone who <laughs> responds. No, no, I don't think, I think gnomes are typically considered like earth elementals, but more like earth meaning like uh, in the forest, but yeah. Well, okay. So I just looked I it up. Google I, just I just looked, looked it up. up. <laughs> All right. Well, you're looking minor. it up too. Okay. Well, and it says in, you know, as I'm self-correcting, you're correcting me, but um, yeah, Swiss village is, is where these little gnomes, it seems like gnomes are relatively recent in the folklore. Uh, the first report of gnomes are, in like the 1500s but anyways yeah i guess they're associated with gold mines at least in switzerland the, the name the name gnome maybe like they're mostly i think of like come I, like switzerland is exactly uh scandinavia but i think they're called the nisse n-i-s-s-i i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly and i think it's nissa i'm not sure nissa that's exactly it that's it I don't know if that's exactly the same though, because I believe those. If we're gonna be get, if we're gonna get really specific, are like. But we're not. We're painting in broad, in broad strokes. Okay, we're going because, broad strokes because, okay, like, when mind. you do when you do the specifics, that's how you're not supposed to see the connections. Okay, it's like, oh, this is different because it's German. No, they're not German. They're they're not German. Well, I just meant like you know that's a silo which would put it in. And so, like, I'm thinking the little people, like, you know, in a way, like a gnome's a dwarf, like in the way that it's presented. Like, I'm thinking, Lord, like how they're showing you the Lord of the Rings. Like, look at the, 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 the dwarves in the, in, in Lord of the Rings. They're kind of, oh, they look Michael, like, no, like Michael, gnomes. Michael, Michael. Those are what? not dwarves, but go on. What are they? They're hobbits. That is so different. No, well, there's, there's dwarves the in the Lord of the Rings. There's dwarves. Who's Gimli? Gimli's a dwarf. He's the little exactly. guy with That's... the orange beard. He's like, all right, guys, let's go. I'm Gimli. I was now good. go look at a gnome. <laughs> go look at a gnome, and you'll see that they're the same archetype. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tolkien so, so was based I mean. on on you know. Uh, things that he was reading from Finnish folklore, you know, uh, Tolkien, he, he wrote The Lord of the Rings. That was all based on things that he had found in, I think, Cambridge and Oxford's library. He was uh, a student there. And so he had access to some very old uh, Finnish and Scandinavian German folklore. Uh, well, so really I want to go and, and still play around with this idea yeah. of like the underground like a, a very complex existing system underground worldwide because this is your handbook to the apocalypse. So what that means is you have to start thinking like literally because it's collapsing. And then two, it's like thinking new. What are the clues all around you? These are the clues. This is what I'm suggesting. And I think you're right about the petroglyphs. Like maybe they're markers or portals. Like this is how you access it. Why do you want to go access it? Because we're going to start doing things differently. What do you think's underground? I don't know, but they're pointing at Scranton. I know that all the government is underground around here. I know there's all this lore. I know I'm in Gnome countryside. Now I know that they're they're uh, at least you know like one standard deviation away of of the expert miners of the dwarves. So that's just kind of what I'm playing with. 
Did I ever tell you that I had a dream and I had a gnome at the door and I ended up chasing him? Where did you chase him? Underground? I don't remember. It was like down a long corridor, but I remember thinking like, wow, that was so fucking weird that I decided to chase him because it kind of like caught me off guard. But I just, and he ran, he ran so fast with those little legs and I just went right for him. And then I woke up. (laughs) Only time I've ever dreamt of a gnome. But I'll never forget. So maybe I was trying to see where he entered, you know, the earth. That could have been it. Goosebumps got me on the gnomes, honestly. That's who I can thank. I think, uh, Mike, last time I saw you, you gave Tara and I a book about gnomes and fairies, right? Correct. Yeah. That's like the that's like the uh um the go to Bible. Yeah. Well, it's not in reach right now, but there there are several uh modern encounters with gnomes, people who have had encounters with gnomes who weren't dreaming. Um Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Like it's the South. I feel like in Central and South America, it's more of like a common, like a more maybe more common. I don't know. I'm not up on my like. I think that's kind of cryptid territory a little bit too. And where are they coming from? Well, this is what I mean. Exactly. Those little duendes. I don't know, but probably, well, they're interdimensionals. <laughs> We're back to the interdimensionals. I think that's the crux. Crux of the combo. So then, so then we'll walk through then the Norway spiral. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to will you tell me about that. So the Norway spiral came out. I want to say 2009, and it was this. Um, uh. Like it looks so, it it looks fake. It was so ridiculous. This thing which you would see, this spiral which appeared in the sky over northern Norway, and there are hundreds of it, different independent people who captured that um, the Norway spiral. And for a little bit of time, it was like a really big story. And why what really got people interested were two things happened at that exact same time. Uh, like the day before, like CERN turned on, like, you know, at the time it was like their biggest CERN, whatever, however they measured CERN. And then also um, uh, then president elect. No. Yeah, it was president elect. Uh, uh, Barack Obama went to receive his Nobel Pre- Peace Prize. I'm pretty certain that's where why he was in Oslo. But that was the same day. And so there was always like that was like kind of how it was framed up in the conspiracy um, in the conspiracy world. And whatever that was, uh, you know, I don't know what the Norway spiral was. And it was eventually like written off. It was explained that the uh, that uh, Russia was doing ballistic missile tests and that was a malfunctioning missile. But when you go and you look on um you know, if you can find it online, you'll see like that's the it's the most perfect spiral in the world. Like you're not going to go and think that it's it was caused by um, by a missile that was like uh, chaotically Russia spiraling. Was the cover, out of control. Russia was the cover for it. 
So exactly. And that's kind of like how it was like swept under the rug. And like everyone who like had a conspiratorial mindset was like, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, like, what about this other stuff? Is this interdimensional portals? Is this CERN doing something like that? But the reason why I think it's like, to me, it's such an important, it's, I would put it on the same level of, of importance as the uh, BBC uh, 9-11 footage of when they say, Justin, World Trade Center Tower 7 collapses, and then behind them is a screen or where it says live shot, and you could see the tower is still standing in the background. Like That's always like a key touch point. Um, footage you can't find anymore, though, Michael. Because they wiped it. So that's the I next. Just so, like, this is just you saying that because I can't see the Norway spiral. You can't find it online. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just mean like I'm not going to be able to see that. Uh, well, so that's exactly what what I'm talking about with like the it's a it's a touch point like whatever it is like whether it's from uh, like completely made up and put on TV and like it was done that way or it was something real like that was something that actually happened that they put out in the mainstream media like it's a touch point we can go and look at that like and say what the hell was that um, but. But what's really interesting, I was just talking about this the other day to, to someone who's actually in Norway, and they had not heard of it. I'm like, how could you have not heard of the Norway spiral? And they're like, well, let me go check it. Check it right now. They were in Denmark. Um, you were just giving Denmark. me crap, and you were talking to a Norwegian, and they didn't know? Well, listen to the point. Yes, because this person is not an expert in conspiracy like you are. So you should have. a large title. Okay, cool. <laughs> broad brushes um so they were in denmark and they searched like it was like you know real-time conversation and they're like there's absolutely nothing or google denmark there's no mention anywhere of the norway spiral and then i went and go and, and typed uh and searched at the same time uh here in the united states i'm like oh yeah it's like yeah there's lots of there's lots of um not as many as there once were but there are lots of places where you can go and see um, the Norway spiral. You could see that story has literally been wiped from the search engines, the the, the primary search engines, which at least in, in Denmark, that's the only thing I could say for certain. But but um, yeah. So Did so go back. Um, Nazca lines vibes. I'm sorry. Like I'm looking at the spiral on Google, and it's reminding me of those. Um, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly what you talk about. The Nazca lines, the ones in Peru. Yeah, there you go. Did you see those when you are in Peru? No. I didn't fly over them. Okay. Well, you I mean, it's kind of like the same thing, just on land. Uh, on the sky. No? Mm. It's an interesting idea. <laughs> like, you know, that's what I think is, like, it's a petroglyph in the sky. Right. A spiral? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, 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 now we're playing with ideas. Like, if you could think of, like, a petroglyph, like, like on one scale, which would go in big Indian or little Indian rock. So that might be like a petroglyph that will be eight inches in diameter. And then you could think of the Nazca lines, like regardless if they're communications to like flying saucers or not, they're freaking petroglyphs on a much larger scale. They're like literally. And if they're interdimensionals, they don't necessarily have to be in saucers at all. Fair point. Like what? So, I mean, I'm just, I, what I thought was interesting is the idea of, 
So if petroglyphs can go in different scales, like, you know, in the small scale, the large scale, well, whatever the Norway spiral is, who knows? Like maybe, maybe it's like a, like a, <laughs> maybe it was projected from earth. Like, you know, I don't know what it was, but it has a pet, it does have a petroglyph kind of feel to it. And, and is that being imprinted on whatever that, whatever is on the sky, whatever that, that material is, which you could see the spiral presented like, upon. I just like the fact that she couldn't find it. Yeah. That gives that gives it the most validity to me of just being like a weird uh, something to kind of cover up, right? It's something. It's, it's something. At, the, at the very least, it's a story they're not allowed to read. That's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's, and it's a story for us to read. Right, right, right. Like, I mean, the Nazca lines aren't going anywhere, so they have to put them online. And people can photograph it because they, you're right, because it's not yeah. going anywhere. So it's what I was just, what you just made me think is like, <laughs> you know, maybe the reason they don't put it in, in Denmark is because it never even happened. They just told us about it here in America because none of us are in friggin' Norway. Mm. Yeah. Mike, have, mean, you ever, have you ever heard of the, uh, the unexplained spiral vortex that appeared on Mexican weather radar the same year as the Norway spiral? That's not ringing the bell. Tell me more. Did you just find out about that too, Mark? Yeah. So, so yeah. So in uh, the same year, 2015, uh, the weather radar had this really odd malfunction, you can call it, but it, or it might, they say maybe it was a ghostly prediction of a hurricane in the future. But uh, you could see the video of the radar, and it's just like this gigantic spiral of you know uh normal you know how they have like the FLIR sort of weather radar where it has like a temperature readout and it's sort of like reddish and then yellow and then green and then blue and they sort of blend those four colors together to show you you know how intense a storm is well this is like this looks like a straight up mandala painting like it doesn't look like you know, random noise of uh, uh, your usual weather. And then there's other cases uh, in 2009. Um, or I'm sorry, yeah, 2009, there's one that appears over Australia. What appeared over Australia? The same, like in the, the same phenomenon. Yeah, where the weather radar caught this circle of clouds, what appeared to be clouds, and it's like a perfect circle this one mo looked more like a donut than the one that appeared over Mexico, but yeah. The thing about the one that, that with the spiral, it's people standing, looking at it, you know, it wasn't a bird's eye view spiral like these weather radar things. So it, I guess it's a little different, but I was able to find some stuff on the Norway spiral and they were connecting it to uh, the weather radar story. In Mexico. Mm -hmm. So we have two different geographical places happening, though, with everything we've been like talking about in the last maybe 10 minutes. It's always been like something Scandi versus something kind of Latino happening. <laughs> That's like a mirroring of the two hemispheres okay. going on. <laughs> Scandi. Well, yeah, well, you're up there as a canny or whatever in Canada. We still haven't even gotten into 
the synchronicities uh, Mark, if you that have Mike Canadian was ancestry. Please never ever refer to your ancestors as cannies. Well, you call this uh, Scandinavian Scandies, so I'm just following. They call the, ourselves that. Just following the lingo, you you know, it's a dance here. We're all following your lead now, but uh, but I am curious. You know, speaking of locations, Mike said there were some synchronicities that led you to find some stuff out about New England, and it's sort of connected. We, Mike and I, have talked a bunch about the energy. Uh, here in New England, the ley lines and all that. I don't know, no. Well, I can't. I can't say I know anything about that. I was still tra- trying to figure out, as Michael knows, what the hell constitutes New England because it was. It's. I mean, as a canny, it's a little bit vague. <laughs> so I had to uh, ask. I could have Googled, but I chose to ask. Huh. Yeah, I didn't didn't realize it was vague. But before you you. St- referred to Connecticut as a city rather than a state. So I imagine maybe they don't teach you guys oh, U.S. geography in uh, yeah, in Canada. He, uh, I don't he know. Really waited. He waited in the grass. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty well known in the states that New England is what? Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. And we're all small enough to fit into Texas. So we're really it's just like one giant state. Saskatchewan. Yeah, well, like four times, yeah, for sure. I just want to work in Saskatchewan. <laughs> what is Saskatchewan again, Mike? A province. It's a city in Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, I don't know what I was going to say about any of that. Um, no, I was just having a New England sink that was slow to start picks up speed and it's been kind of like a constant. So it just, it kind of intersects and I'm going to say Appalachia. I know Mike always says, what does he say? Appalachia. I don't know. I usually, I I, I, I usually Hmm. butcher names. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, yes, the Appalachian mountains do go through new England. But uh, yesterday I was just talking to someone who is, uh, from West Virginia, which is pretty much right in the heart of Appalachia. And my girlfriend and I listened to a band called, called Rising, Rising Appalachia, Appalachia, which I listened to this afternoon. <laughs> so, and yeah, here the, we are. we've been jamming out to that lately. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think the Appalachian Mountains are interesting. I mean, talk about hollow earth and stuff and, and gnomes and fairies. There's a lot of uh, folk magic that goes on in those parts too. But And it crosses right through Pennsylvania, of course, where Mike is. And the anthracite. Oh, so I'm looking at a map now of the United States. <laughs> So technically, Mark's clear to me. Oh, no, farther away. Much farther away. Okay. Huh. You're you're basically on the other side of uh, eastern Michigan, is what you're saying? So you're yeah. closer to Pennsylvania yeah. than Connecticut? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting there. The uh, Great Lakes Vortex has come up a lot in the show that I do called esoteric america we spent some time about four hours talking about 
uh, Michigan and all the weird stuff that goes on there. Um, but I'm sure if you're near the Great Lakes, you probably have heard about the uh, the water panther that lives in the Great Lakes, although they they tend to call it the sea serpent when you get further east, I hear. I haven't I've never heard about this. <laughs> is this is this is this is this a mythological creature or is this a real creature? Well, I mean uh, how how I mean we're talking how about how broad are we going? Yeah, I think I think it's it's well, it's a part of the Native American mythology. So yeah, it's mythological to some extent, but you know, it's in the same vein as a thunderbird or maybe even a Sasquatch, right? Because those are all I mean, a Sasquatch is probably the more uh Gotcha. I, I didn't know universal. if you meant like it was the, I didn't know if you meant it was like a like a jaguar, like it was Well, that's like that is that yeah, it is like a I mean, I thought of it but more I mean, like, like a like jaguar like I could go to the zoo and see one. Mm. Well, if if it that's had, what I meant. Like, if it, it had it, like, like a big giant fish tail, and <laughs> no, like literally, are they in zoos? I was wondering, is this no, like no, a no. zoo animal, or is this like like what you're saying, Sasquatch? Well, or it's, it's like it's, it's not in the zoo. Yeah, it's no, it's it's like Sasquatch. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like Sasquatch, not in the zoo. Uh, some would argue only in people's imaginations. I wouldn't be in that group of people, but. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff. So even people have uh, like gone missing in in the Great Lakes and then ended up uh, in like other states miles away, just like with missing time, having no idea how they how they disappeared. It's so it's oh man, this is what I mean by I mean I don't know if these are just sink winks or like I, I was telling a friend. Like I never know what to pay attention to because it's just like everything could turn into a synchronicity at this point. If you want to like lean into it, I'm finding that anyway. Well, is that, is that a good thing though? Cause I find that it's like, you know, sometimes I get a little sketched out if I'm like, Oh, uh, taking every synchronicity to mean too much, you know, like I've, I've gotten, gotten so many synchronicities that i'm trying to be discerning about what's actually worth my attention you know have you experienced that or am i just no no i think that's what i'm experiencing at like the the most the most degree right now and like so like here's my little like it's an itty bitty story but just okay now you're talking about a water panther and uh I was talking with a girlfriend about, I did one of, I did one of those, you know, um, past life regression things, right? Whatever. I won't get into the details, but this was years ago. We were just chatting about past life, uh, stories the one day and there, my, my past life thing had to do with like this Panther. And right after I had told her that story, I have this little like altar in my kitchen and my kid brings up one of his like Panther toys and like, I haven't seen this toy in forever. And it was so weird. And he was asking me, like, he's little, he's asking me like what it is. And I'm kind of like, this is so weird. Cause like, he didn't hear me chatting on the phone or like what the heck we were talking about. You know what I mean? Now he's bringing me this toy 
And so it's like being brought to my awareness again, like, okay, here's this, and it's a Black Panther, Black Panther, Black Panther, okay. Um, I've been telling Michael, like for the past two weeks, my Black cat has been sleeping like next to my head. And I call him like my little panther, you know, because he is. And it's getting like very annoying and I love him, but I really don't want him sleeping next to my face. And so this happens. And then today, um, like I'm in a very small town, right? And this panther car pulls up uh, when we're like getting out of the bakery. And I'm like, damn it. Like there's panther again. Like this was just, this is just nonstop. But I was not going to give panther anything because I feel like I have other things flowing that would be way more important and now you're bringing this to my attention so this is what i mean so it's like i don't know what to give attention to these days because it's every it's everything and anything um but apparently this is something so i don't know this is so cool now i'm looking it up and like yeah like huron and all of these like the ishinabe yeah that's where that's where i live and like this is the landscape that i now inhabit right so just interesting Mm. Well, and then there's the Hammonasset ley line that connects New England, New York, and the Great Lakes all together uh, with these stone cairns that were built by, well, we're not sure, but most likely by the indigenous, by the Native Americans. Like, I don't even know about that. This is what I mean. Lots to learn. Lots. So this is, so this presents it to me like, okay, this, these things mean something because this is another learning, like if it's a learning opportunity and filling a gap in what I don't know yet, then yeah, like I can give an attention because it's not going to like take away from any kind of discernment. I'm going to get something out of it. It's not like a trickster kind of energy, but, but yeah, this is neat. Trickster energy. What do you mean by that? Like if, like, mm, if everything can be a synchronicity, I think that a lot of them can just be kind of like shoveled to the garbage by like, it's just trickster energy trying to like lead you off of like, well, kind of what you're saying with discernment, I imagine. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Cause it's like, uh, yeah, it is like, it could be like a web, like you're kind of like the whole, like, uh, analogy of the thread oh you're following the red thread you know like it could turn into a web and if you're not careful it'll like absorb you but it's interesting there was just this article i found today i was looking up spiders and tricksters and things like that and apparently spider webs are basically organic musical instruments so to speak so like each portion of the spider web has a different vibration that the spider is listening for as it's you know sitting there and it helps it determine you know wherever uh part of the web just got hit with whatever you know an insect or just a piece of dust or a leaf you know it makes a certain sound that the spider responds to so it's kind of like synchronicities in the sense that you're like you're like hearing all these things and some of them are clicking some of them aren't some of them are fitting into this web uh, and the web can either help you or ensnare you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but I think I'm going to from now on because I'm really struggling at times to know like where the attention should be placed. Hmm. What do you think, Mike? Um, I, I think that the most important question a person should ask is exactly what Sarah was indicating, which is, you know, what should I lean into? I completely see the same thing that synchronicity that you guys are both describing like this, like the, in my opinion, it's a very clear conclusion for me to make that the realm has shifted, has moved, has changed. And I know that because I'm seeing like everywhere, like this increase of whatever we're calling synchronicity or, or so many things happening. So the most important question is like, well, if that's the case, like if, and, if that's what's going on, well, then you should be really, really thoughtful for what you want to lean into because you're, that's where you're going to get your synchronicities. Mm. I personally would like want to then lean into, I mean, so I'll give you an example. Like, um, I, I've told you the story, uh, about how I like to go to Salem road, um, here near Nome countryside or my walks and, how I correspond to that to the book, The Alchemist. Did I tell you that, Mark? Yeah, the we story. talked about we talked about The Alchemist. I right. can't remember if it was just off the air or, or on the show or not, but yeah. I, I think we've talked about. So, so that was something like, you know, that was, that was something which I wanted to lean into because this is something which I'm doing in my life. And so I'm like, these are the things I want to go and lean into. And, and so the idea, I read this book, I, I read the book to my boys, the alchemist, and there was a character and it was like the King of Salem of Salam. And there's a road right by me. And so I started go, of the same name and I was like, I'm going to go to that road and, and try to have a similar type of experience. So internally, um, because in the book it was all about like making a decision. So I'm like, okay, I'm like kind of sitting with a decision. Let me go there. Um, so I'm leaning into that. Um, and then this week, a huge, a huge synchronicity presented itself. And I won't go down the lines of details, which then also fits in directly to like here in Gnome Countryside and the book, The Alchemist. And then I'm like, well, what do I do with that? And, and what I, what I did with rights of the 40th parallel, like kind of writing an experiential guide for what someone could do at the 40th parallel in the Susquehanna river. I'm like, there's a story which is presenting itself here in Gnome Countryside, which is tied in to, um, to the alchemist because now I'm seeing like two really big uh, synchronicities which I can um, frame up a story around. So that's what I, th that's how I'm meeting what you guys are describing. I mean, it's, it's being very conscious of what I want to lean into and then looking for things that are uh, in alignment for it. I'm like directing mm -hmm. where I want to have the synchronicity. I mean, it's very different than someone who wants to be totally, um, allowing the world to unfold before them. I mean, you're not looking for anything, I suppose, but here, like I'm giving it a little bit more direction of where I want to see the synchronicity and the coming together, um, occur. Hmm. Speaking of, uh, decisions, timing and synchronicity, there's like a windstorm and my car is parked under a tree. So give me two minutes. I'm going to just move my car to a different <laughs> parking spot really quick. You guys keep talking.
Um, I did like my morning message for the equinox was the winds of change. Like the no one said anything about that. You didn't say anything about that. Neither did Mark. And I'm like, I think, I think I'm like the sentence is a truth here. I don't, I don't think there was anything to add to it. I mean, it was fair so enough. perfect. Fair enough. Uh, and that's what I think we're, we're <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm describing. Like, you know, when we yeah. talk about the winds that, yeah, we were talking about the literal winds that came in. Um, uh, yeah, today's been, <laughs> today's just been a really, really like um, wonky day for me. And a funny, like an example of it, um, I had the tailgate down. I usually keep it down um, when I'm parked here in Gnome Countryside because I like to sit on it a lot of times and just watch the cars go by if I'm doing something like outside. And um, I got behind on my schedule and I had to go and pick up the boys and take them somewhere. And um, I get in the car and I start driving. And what I don't realize is the tailgate's down. And not only is the tailgate down, like sitting on that is like a blanket, like four or five other things. And I end up driving all the way to my boy's house, which is maybe about 25 miles from here. And I heard people honking at me the whole time. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't realize they're like trying to tell they're me. They're like saying hi. <laughs> I just kind of thought they were saying hi. Like everyone's so friendly today. I'm like everyone's so. I'm like you know today's. I must have stepped through the portal. The winds of change, indeed. They're smelling the portal energy, and but no, I got back. But when uh, nothing, nothing fell off. Well, there you go. There we go. Weren't meant to lose a thing. Mm. I'm kind of thinking. Pardon. Go. Oh, I was just thinking back to this, like, you know how you're kind of doing the rights for Gnome Countryside and stuff, but it kind of is like a hearkening, a hearkening to like what we're saying, well, what you were saying, not really to what I was saying at all, but about how like the sacred site, like you're going back to like tap into old kind of like, um, because it like connects to the the cosmos and stuff but like wouldn't you say that if you do that for gnome countryside and like the way that you kind of like pulled them from like the rights from the susquehanna like you're kind of doing something for the future so like you so like these things can be made what are these things like like these sacred sites because like you're going to be pooling energy into this like even extra already more than what mr rich has done with his whole like set up um, de- so I, I don't know my, the way I, the way I approach it is, I mean, there's something here, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Like that's, I just assume that wherever I am and, and I'm I, here. you know, I would, and, and then what I'm doing is taking the thing that's here, which is too nebulous for, um, a lot of people to kind of wrap their mind around and then I give, I frame up, I frame up a story so that they can experience it. Now, when I frame up the story, it is taking whatever is around and, you know, I'm kind of like collapsing all the other potentialities of how you could go and tell a story around here. Cause I'm telling people to look at it from this perspective, but you know, if it wasn't this, there'd be nothing. 
And so it's, I would say this is more of like what you're saying, like interdimensional, like just in consciousness, like I'm creating a story based upon the synchronicities that I see in my life. And then that's creating like whatever sacred space, which is already here, it's creating a way like a, a, a means for someone to go and have an experience who pr might not be able to have an experience, uh, a deep experience without this type of guidance. Yeah. Well, and just with the energy of all the possible sinks everywhere, like you can really harness loads of like possible energy. Just take it all for this one thing. Take it all for this one just thing. Take it all. We're going to hoard and gonna harvest hoard the, the energy, energy and harvest the energy. <laughs> that is not, that is not the strategy. <laughs> Why not? It's not my strategy. I think it would happen anyway. Well, then that will happen anyway. It's just not my strategy. Hmm. Well, I felt like I missed something, but I'm back. The storm that befell you yesterday has made its way up here, Mike. So, Is it windy? Yeah, my car was parked under like a low branch. One of the branches was dead, so I'm like, yeah, just be rather be safe than sorry. It's always better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. Good, good words of advice. Um, is it cold? Yeah, it got chilly today all of a sudden. When's it change? Yeah. Take it if you want, Mike. I said it first. <laughs> we had a conversation about winds of change while you were gone. <laughs> ah, okay. Wow, very original, Mike. Yeah, Michael, very original. <laughs> I never said that it was not original. I was playing upon what you already established. Mm. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Well, there was a, a story about men in black you mentioned maybe we would get to. Um, was there anything more to the trip and, and the you know your first time seeing the petroglyphs that you wanted to share with us did you actually capsize i felt like there was a moment where you said there was a moment we could have okay but we did it right. and it was at that moment i reached the scale of 5 or i hit the number <laughs> 5 out of the 1 to 10 scale of whether it would have been a bit <laughs> whether or not okay. i could, like this is yeah, that i often like to look at the uh, experiences I have based upon the level of deadliness. <laughs> yeah. So that was a five. That's how I like to gauge a lot of things. Okay. It's like how deadly was this? Huh. How alive did you feel is how deadly it was? That's exactly why I go by how deadly it was. Yeah. And so, um, no, the, uh, the, the petroglyphs trip was was a marker in fact um uh this this weekend had or this week had quite a few markers uh which you know from the way i see things like um the summer the summer changed immensely at least from my experience i don't think it was just my experience but but it changed immensely uh and the marker for me was, was I think it was the Fourth of July weekend, but it was when I was going to take that trip down to um, to Austin, and it was canceled. And this one guy, 
uh, Izzy is his name. Uh, Izzy <laughs> is his character. So Izzy came by and then he left and I was like, fuck, Izzy was the marker. He like was the catalyst, like, or he, he was the harbinger. I think he was a harbinger that announced like, you know, the thing was coming, the winds of change were coming and that happened in the summer. Well, Izzy returned, um, Izzy returned, um, this past week. And so I'm like, okay, that was a completion of the cycle. All that sort of stuff is done and something new has happened. Uh, that he was here like two days ago and then yes, the equinox occurred and then, um, and then the, the trip to, the petroglyphs to look for the portal, whatever portal may or may not be. And so I will probably use the petroglyphs trip, you know, and particularly with now that we know it's a five out of 10 on the deadly scale on the one deadly scale. Um, I'll use it as like a, a, a note marker on a timeline, just like watching life unfold and be like, okay, like what, what's occurred after that. And so it's just a way of like framing up like, how life, this is how you can kind of see change as you start to look at things, not in one continuous flow, which it is, but then being able to see it with, with some degrees of markers to then have a clarity to begin to see trajectories and so forth. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like this week we've kind of had a few of those in, in our area as well. A little, a few like, uh, winds of change is a finding moments we didn't have a, a deadly any any deadly events but uh but yeah well there was one part of our hike last week where we went up a really steep cliff and we ended up finding this uh rock formation that looked like a, a face which was pretty cool but um, how deadly was that <laughs> just joking about the deadly two out of ten two out of ten a two out of ten yeah. If there would have been a water panther, like it would have gone up a little bit higher, but you didn't see any of the water panthers out on that. Well, if the cave that was once there wasn't filled in, I think the deadliness scale would have been uh, heightened for sure because I was getting some spooky vibes up until the point that I realized the cave was uh, very closed. Because at first from... from the perspective you get while you're hiking towards it, it's like, oh, am I looking at the top of a cliff, uh, cave here? And then you sort of get down and you realize that the ground level is has been raised so that, you you know, the cave is filled in. Hmm. Sounds very really inner earthy. Mm, right, right. It's just setting up for the night, you know, getting cozy in that tailgate. In the tailgate? <laughs> are you going to sleep? Oh, Mike's sleeping under the stars tonight, huh? <laughs> Guilty as charged. Oh, no. What did we start? I feel like I inspired that when we came and stayed at Gnome Countryside. That was the uh, first night you slept in the truck. Have you been sleeping there weekly? Uh, Yes, I sleep probably like three to four nights a week. It's like one of my favorite things in the world to do. I sleep so much better in the truck than anywhere else. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I can't Until argue like with that. December hits. <laughs> yeah. I lived in a house without heat last last winter. I might be able to make it to, through November. We'll wow. see. That's the question I've been asking. What am I going to do when it gets cold? Maybe I might have to go 
somewhere warm. Mm. Yeah, the Southwest, maybe. Yes. I just had a really great conversation with a woman named Dr. Erica Elliott, who spent, uh, I think, almost a decade in Navajo territory as a school teacher and had some really amazing experiences there. But uh, yeah, afterwards, Tara and I were talking, and Tara suggested that we put you in touch with her after what you said about the so- Southwest calling you. All right, all right. I'm building the. Uh, I'm building an itinerary. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she still resides there, but uh, she'd be a good person to to get to know. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure having you here on your handbook for the apocalypse. Do you have any oh, final yeah, thoughts? I don't know if I added anything to this dynamic you guys have going on, but this was great being here. I think it was interesting. It definitely was a, a different uh, flow than usual for our conversations, but I, I appreciated you being here. Mike, how do you feel? I appreciate everyone being here. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, final thoughts then, Sarah. Anything you want to say to sum up this episode? You started with the bang. We got the you know personal poll. Uh, we was, talked about Mike's petroglyph yeah, I don't portal. Know if you should let Mike lead with the intros like that. <laughs> I Wait, think now comments, my obvious comments like huh? that with comments like that, you're not going to be invited back in. <laughs> no, I'm just doing Mark a favor with that. I think. What? No, we loved having you here. We got to have you back, but we with my poop pools. Um, I think I'm just going to like try and find this water panther now when I'm. Oh, be careful. That might hit Mike's deadly scale. You might chart on the deadly scale. Deadly scale, definitely. (laughs) Actually, Mike and I have talked about this. We have a similar deadly scale. Oh. So, so I'm going to be on this quest for sure. Wow. Uh, That and just finding the caverns to middle slash inner slash hollow earth around my environment, so that I have more to talk to if I ever do this again with you guys. Mm. I got to find the portals too, you know. There we go. I think everyone is looking for him. Right on. And we might we might have come across, or we might have figured out that maybe the Norway spiral isn't real. <laughs> and maybe just something to blame Russia for from this side of the pond. From this side of the pond. And that's been another weird, wild, wonderful episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. Waiting for the sound effects. <laughs> It's been a pleasure having all of you here on this very esteemed occasion. Mike, have a wonderful night. Sarah, it's been a true pleasure getting to know you. And for everyone listening, enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now.